Welcome back to the Burning Phoenix podcast. Hope you're having a great morning. In this episode, we're going to talk about two main topics. We're going to talk about when private money goes too far, and we're going to talk about how to fight the Hydra, meaning the mythological monster, the beast that has many heads. And then when you cut off the heads, you just get new heads. So when Hercules fights the Hydra, eventually you have to go for the belly to defeat it. So we're going to look at this both in terms of the late medieval times and look at some examples in history about this and then connect it a little bit to the current situation in America. So we first going to look at just, we did some research about private donations to American U.S. Uh, federal elections over the last 20 years. So it's interesting to just see the numbers. Uh, in 2000, the presidential election for the year 2000 in America, the single biggest private donor was at $1.1 million. So the biggest donor was $1.1 million, and that was Peter Buttonweiser and Terry Merrick. And then if you look at the midterms that, that just happened in uh, this November, in 2022, the biggest single donor is at $130 million. So it's gone from 1 million 20 years ago to $130 million. And then the second one this year was at 70 million, and then you have at 66 and at 50 and 40 and 30 and so on. So there's a massive increase in private money influencing or to some extent then deciding federal elections and then grabbing more and more powers. You get like this influx of private money, private power in the governing of America. So what we wanted to look at is how uh, some of these dynamics play out in the late medieval times, in part because at that time there was no democracy uh, that was sometimes just clouding the real power dynamics as it does today. And you just see directly private power. And I'm going to look at the overall picture of what happens with the Catholic Church. Once they split from, the, from Byzantium, you get the Great Schism in 1054, and then Rome re-establishes itself kind of as a powerful territorial power and spiritual power, and with its independent papacy. So this happens in 1054, and then we're going to see what happens in the course of about 250 years, how it becomes more and more extreme in the way it tries to project its power. And just as an example again of how private power, like just... Uh, very big amounts of power in private hands eventually is what history suggests goes too far into often kind of a sort of a mental illness so what happens in 1302 like you have a gradual increase of of papal authority from the schism and the peak is straight at 1302 with Pope Boniface VIII. He's also the main uh, antagonist and kind of the, uh, the what Dante is obsessing over in some sense in the Divine Comedy, but for very good reasons. Uh, he's not exaggerating in his um, in his description of Pope Boniface. Uh, there is a personal aspect to it as Boniface is very much important in terms of uh, creating the conditions that made Dante go into exile and uh, had Dante being exiled from Florence for 20 years uh, from 1302. But in 
1302, the peak of this is that Pope Boniface uh, issued a papal uh, bull, a papal edict, that is called Unam Sanctam. And just for the etymology, like a bull, a papal bull, is just a name for an edict. It comes from the Latin word bulla, which is a bubble or rounded object. So in medieval Latin, this was a seal or a sealed document. And if you call it an edict, this is then an official order or proclamation issued by a person in authority. And it comes then from edicere, which is ex, which is out, and dicere to tell. So edict is like tell out. So that is the etymology of both the papal edict and the papal bull. So, now, for the opening of Unam Sanctam, the reason this is extremely important in church history and also European history is that this is the moment where, where the Pope declares that he is uh, in the sole authority and has the sole power over the whole entire earth. So it opens with saying, we are compelled, our faith urging us to believe and to hold, and we do firmly believe and simply confess that there is one holy Catholic and apostolic church outside of which there is neither salvation nor remission of sins. And just one more etymology is that Catholic comes from the Greek Catholicos, which means universal. So you have the word kata, which is in respect of, and you have holos, which is whole, like in respect of the whole, meaning then the universal, the Catholic. And then the crucial argument in this bull is that Boniface declares here, both swords, the spiritual and the material, therefore are in the power of the church, the one indeed to be wielded for the church, the other by the church, the one by the hand of the priest, the other by the hand of kings and knights, but at the will and sufferance of the priest. One sword, moreover, ought to be under the other and the temporal authority to be subjected to the spiritual. So this is where he says then that you have two powers and then the spiritual is superior. And he ends the bull with saying, Indeed we declare, announce and define that it is altogether necessary for, for salvation for every human creature to be subject to the Roman pontiff. And part of the reason why he says this is that like every human being is then under the authority of the Pope, including kings and sovereigns in Europe. So this is part of a feud they're having with the French king, Philip IV. And that's the moment where the kings and sovereigns of Europe have had enough. So the French king then starts taking action. He, he sets up a, 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 like a tribunal, like a court against Pope Boniface to examine the, the claim that Boniface was not a legitimate pope and that the election of Boniface had been fraudulent. And then this court, which is then made by the French king with French, French judges, <laughs> they uh, conclude that indeed Pope Boniface is not a legitimate pope. And then they invade Italy, Rome, uh, Agnani, where he stayed at the time. And then, uh, so this is then in 1303. And then they capture the pope. They're keeping him in, in captivity. He's likely beaten, nearly executed. He's released after a few days, but then he dies a month later. And then the French king also takes the papacy and moves it over to Avignon in France. And then it stays in France for 68 years until 1377. So it's just an example when Boniface, as, a, as an example of private power, goes way too far. And then the French king in this case, which is one of the biggest power than like the French king and you have the German emperor, uh, just has had enough and then 
Italy loses the papacy. So that's the one first example we want to have about going too far, which might be instructive for things we see today as well, that if you get too much power into the hands of the private money, especially now in America, since that's kind of where some of the main events are happening, um, so maybe something similar to this could happen. And then the second topic is about the Hydra. So this is a very nice, uh, we have a nice example of the whole idea and the formulation uh, from Dante when he writes a letter to the Roman, Holy Roman Emperor Henry VII. This is in 1311, so this is kind of around the same time. And Dante is then again in exile at this point, and Henry VII is his shining hope for the liberation of Tuscany, his homeland, and his return to Florence. So he opens the letter with The feet of the most holy conqueror and excellent master, Lord Henry, by divine providence, king of the Romans, always august, are kissed by his most devoted servant, Dante Alighieri, a Florentine and undeservedly an exile, and all Tuscans everywhere who desire the public peace. So he goes kind of straight to, to the, the issue at hand and he says here, but we marvel what sluggishness delays you so long since now for some time a victor in the valley of the Po, you forsake, overlook and neglect Tuscany as though you believed the rights of the empire to be protected by you were circumscribed by the boundaries of Liguria, not fully understanding, as it seems to us, that the power of the Romans is limited neither by the confines of Italy nor by the shores of three-horned Europe. So he's building up the argument that if you wanted to f fight take control of the northern states uh, in Italy and make peace, you have to see that there are powers behind these states that are creating problems. So what happened was that Henry VII gets bogged down in this endless city-state uh, conflicts up in the north, and then he can't move further south. Again, as Dante called them, sluggishness. So then he comes with a, with a metaphor. You waste the spring as well as the winter at Milan. And do you think to slay the baleful Hydra by striking off its heads? If you should read the mighty deeds of the glorious Alcides, you would see that you are deceived even as was he, before whom the venomous animal grew with each loss, his head sprouting forth anew into many, until he of the great heart vigorously attacked the seat of life. This is again the idea of kind of attacking the, the belly of the Hydra instead of taking out the heads. And then he has a few more words about Rome and he says, In very truth from her evaporating corruption, she exhales an infectious smoke. And thence the neighboring flocks all unconscious waste away, while she attaches the neighbors to herself by seducing them with lies and flatteries and infatuates the allies. So... The final thing, idea of Dante here is he says that you could overthrow this Goliath with the sling of thy wisdom and with the stone of thy strength to the emperor. Uh, but again, this idea of how the, the Hydra works could also be seen as kind of how private money sometimes works in uh, having allies and seducing them with lies and flatteries. So that's all we wanted to uh, 
look at in this episode with those two main ideas about private money going too far and also this idea of fighting a hydra and not being deceived by all the heads but trying to look at kind of the belly of of the monster instead so uh that's what i wanted to say i uh, hope some of this was interesting and kind of you can see some there could be some perspectives that could be helpful to try to understand where we are today as well and as always thank you so much for listening thanks for tuning in hope you're having a great day and see you again in the next episode Thank you.